What's new is this increasing focus that these stakeholders are putting on these issues. That you should approach it not only seeing it as a risk, but seeing it as an opportunity. Everything that has potentially a financial impact for your company or will affect how you operate your company in order to create value. Hello and welcome to the TMX Exchange Feed podcast series. My name is Sophie Vanout, head of TSX Company Services. I am filling in for Tanya Roundtree today. Our podcast topic, One Small Step for ESG. Today I have with me Anne-Josée Lacaire, Corporate Sustainability Professional and Co-Founder of Quebec Net Positif. Bonjour. I also have with me Marie-Josée Privic, ESG Advisor, Fincom Services. Hello. And Charles-David Mathieu Poulain, Corporate Advisor, Environmental and Sustainability at TC Transcontinental. Hi. So for our listeners, can you each give me 30 seconds on your expertise or work experience pertaining to ESG and materiality? So I've been working for TC Transcontinental for seven years. So my background is I have an environmental science. So I'm a scientist, I'm also a master's in engineering. So I'm coming in with, with a science background, which maybe helped all of that process, um, you know, doing it in a scientific way. Um, so I've been working at TC for seven years where I oversee the implementation of the strategy, but also the, um, the, the, the conform environmental conformity program. From my perspective, I come from a public relations background, so I'm accredited in public relations. I'm a sustainability professional person, been working for many years with publicly traded companies on sustainability issues. And uh, the public relations background, why it's good for sustainability is because our expertise is stakeholders engagement. And it is really core to what you try to bring in sustainability. I'm also a president and co-founder of Quebec Net Positive, where our aim is to help position our province as a hub for the low carbon economy. So uh, everything about uh, businesses contributing to low carbon economy is also something dear to my heart. So for myself, um, I have a career in capital markets and a background in finance. Actually, I was a sell-side analyst covering small and mid-cap companies for several years. I was also director of investor relations for a publicly listed renewable power producer um, and later on uh, ESG integration advisor to both investors and companies. And I've been in the sustainable development, responsible investment space for almost 10 years now. Um, today, I specialize in helping companies meet investors' growing need for ESG disclosures and create value in the process. So we will start with our first question. How do we define materiality for the purpose of our discussion? Marie-Josée, can you please help us define the word? <laughs> sure, thank you. Um, I'll get the ball rolling and then uh, my colleagues will jump in. Um, generally speaking, material issues are business issues that are so important that the board and senior management must concern themselves with these issues in conducting their affairs and also meeting their duty of care. So in the context of sustainability, companies need to figure out which of the dozens of possible ESG or environmental, social and governance issues are material to their business. Um, typically, they do that using a multi-stakeholder lens. Um, And so in the process, they, they are assessing which issues are material to their, their, uh, their business uh, and their multiple stakeholders in order to de determine um, a select group of issues that they call their material issues. 
I think that's a good point, uh, Marie-Josée, because I think in the case of TC Transcontinental, what we did is that we wanted to make sure that materiality was broader than maybe just financial issues. So that's why we talked to our customers, our investors too, but our, our employees, um, some NGOs, some uh, trade associations. And when we did our materiality analysis, we wanted to make sure that we got everyone's opinion on what's material and what should be included in our corporate strategy with respect to, to ESG uh, factors. Uh, in complement to that, uh, consulting with stakeholders is really important, but from a financially material perspective, a uh, company also needs to look at regulatory changes, uh, industry norms, um, in a potential for innovation, considering all the changes and the material uh, aspects that are changing in the environment. So the stakeholder perspective is important, but when we're thinking financial materiality, what's important from an investor's perspective, you also have to look at these other factors in the environment of the company where you operate. Everything that has potentially a financial impact for your company or will affect how you operate your company in order to create value. So what I understand is materiality will be different from company to company depending on what the goal of that company is or, or, or what their ESG goal is. Mm -hmm. So that can take us into what is a materiality assessment then? So we define the word. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm just going to specify, I think, uh, absolutely uh, it is important to understand that Material ESG issues are sector specific and also company specific. So because we're looking at issues that matter to the business and each company, each sector is different, but also each company within the sector is potentially different. It's really important for the company to do this exercise for itself. So and we can answer your question of what it is. And that's a good point because I'll, I'll, I'll go on there too, because as, as TC Transcontinental, we've been transforming a lot in the past few years. So we were and still are Canada's largest printer, but now we're also a leader in flexible packaging. So for us, it was really important to do a new materiality assessment because our ESG factors that are important for our stakeholders have changed a lot in the past few years. So I think it's also important to do that process like on a continuous basis, uh, just because to your point, uh, Andrew the um, the, the environment changes, but also the internal company might also change and be in transformation. So it's good to do that, to do that very often. Um, but to go on what TC actually did for the materiality assessment that we released um, a few weeks ago in our new CSR three-year plan, for us really it was setting up um, a list of all the subjects that, that seemed of interest for our stakeholders. We had, a, I believe, 24. Um, we used um, the GRI, SASB, some standards that exist that are out there to build that list. Um, and then we asked people, uh, we asked people around what, you know, rank them in order, what's more important. We had discussions, we had um, surveys, um, both internally, externally with our board. Um, and then in the end, what we managed to do is build um, a materiality uh, matrix, which kind of gave us, you know, the key points that were important. And I think that process went really well and, and was something that was very interesting for us to do, to learn a lot about, you know, the, the people around us and what they cared about. Yes, so materiality matrix is uh, one of those uh, buzzwords that you hear a lot uh, when you start doing a materiality assessment. And I think what's um, really uh, important to remember for companies is that there's no hard and fast process. Um, it's really important for companies to own the process and as long as it, it's something that makes sense to them. So it can be very broad, multi-stakeholder, as Charles David was describing, or it can be narrower. It could be an investor-only 
um, uh, um, perspective, that's okay. I mean, it depends on what management is trying to do, and that can change also uh, over time. Um, so there's not one hard and fast uh, formula. I've had the opportunity to conduct a stakeholder consultation with more than 2,000 stakeholders for a company where we looked at the perspective of the most critical audience for the company. And I think that's a, that's something important is also to streamline and figure who are those audience that really help you create value that will have an impact on your ability to actually um, deliver a financial performance on the short term, medium term, but I also often say sustainability, it's like profitability with the long-term lens as well. So when we engage with those stakeholders, it's also looking at the future and thinking about what's coming ahead and what will be the trends that will influence the company. So those elements are integral to the materiality assessment itself. I was just going to add that I think the important piece is not to only ask your stakeholders what's important to them, is to look at this, like intersect with your own business strategy. Absolutely. So what you want to do there is to build a more sustainable business strategy for yourself. So you also have to take into perspective your own knowledge of what's out there and what's coming up for you. Yeah, when we talk about the notion of issues that are important to the business or material to the business, um, we're talking about issues that really are intertwined with strategy, risk management, long-term prospects, profitability, um, return on capital. And these are all issues that are of concern to the highest levels of the company. So from the board and senior management down, it's very important to have, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, tone at the top, uh, buy-in and, uh, and uh, direction uh, from the very top levels of the company. And that's what makes it so value adding is that you're actually looking at issues. Are you managing issues? Uh, how are you managing issues, risks, and opportunities that are affecting your business, and uh, as Anne-José says, for the long term? Um, and we were talking about, you know, before companies um, <clears throat> adapting this process, this materiality assessment process, to their own specific needs and objectives, it's also adapting it to their own resources. So a comment we often hear is, well, it takes a lot of resources to be able to do a materiality assessment and then ultimately, you know, reporting or disclosure on, on sustainability. Well, yes and no. I think that there are things that every company can do um, to start uh, more um, uh, systematically um, formalizing how they look at these issues, how they identify and how they manage them with whatever resources they have at hand. And that's a good segue for the next question. So, you know, you've talked about and there's different size company. Marisol is telling, telling us that small companies can also do this at a smaller scale, which the TC Transcontinental did as a, as a bigger scale. So how long does it take to do an assessment, um, like considering, you know, a, a general kind of time frame? Yeah, so we so the one we did last year, uh, we started it um, around um, I'd say April of last year when we, um, you know, to your point, Marie Jose, we did um, do that switch at Transcontinental in in two thousand seventeen, where um, oversight of of ESG issues and sustainability goes all the way to the board. So the first step really was to meet um, with the the governance committee of our board and explain to them what the strategy would be and, and get their approval on that. So that was in 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 spring of last year. The, the actual consultation process happened during the summer. Um, so it was, you know, maybe in the summer it was a little more informal and just meetings and chatting and stuff like that. 
Um, and then once we got all of the data, of course, it was, it was setting that up, doing that matrix, and then finally kind of what do we do with that information? And that's probably the part that was the longest, but the consultation and the materiality assessment was about a few months, I'd say for us at TC. And we had over 1,400 um, people that, that answered our surveys and mm-hmm. stuff, so it was pretty big. And how many big. of you were asking the question, so what's, what was the team like? So, so one I, person? Or? Yeah, so, so what we do is we have a CSR steering committee, um, which is members from all, all the organization that have different, you know, multidisciplinary and departments and stuff like that. So overall, um, they helped us find out, you know, like who are the investors we should chat to. And then, you know, we had questions that were set up for investors and that people could talk to investors, for example, same with sales, with our customers. Um, I'd say in most cases, because it's mostly sustainability and we know people in that field, there was a lot of me just going to chat with people I know in my area, um, just because it's our, it's our field. Um, but yeah, overall, the entire company got together and, and had good relationships already with some of our stakeholders. So it was, HR was really helpful for employees, for example. I really like what Char David says, and I agree that the materiality assessment process is a unique opportunity to engage every people in every level in a company. Everyone that is dealing with an external stakeholder, be an employee, supplier, client, an investor, it's an opportunity together to discuss about those issues that as an investor in your own company, you would like to be looking at above and beyond the financials. And it's an opportunity to have the discussion and discuss with the stakeholders and engage all these people in thinking about sustainability from a long-term perspective. And this internal dialogue that's created through the process of doing a material assessment, whether you involve 2,000 people externally or only your internal team in itself is important. And even if it's only your internal team, I don't think you could wrap this up in a week or two. Like, it, it, it's a reflection, it's, it's a little bit of a process, and then you're thinking, how is this going to have an influence on what you measure, how you manage your business, because it actually gives you new insights into your business, and then how you will report or disclose about this externally with your investors and your other stakeholders. Yeah, so um, the materiality assessment is uh, really the first step in a company, I would say, formalizing... Um, and making explicit its sustainability practices and getting into the technical aspects of, you know, what does that look like? Very often it takes the form uh, of a a steering committee, as Shaldavid mentioned, why to involve multiple departments, as Anne-José mentioned, uh, um, throughout the company. And the idea is that, you know, you you want buy-in, you want people to understand the process Uh, and to buy into it, uh, and then to uh, redistribute that throughout the company. An example that Charles David was uh, was, uh, giving uh, in terms of, you know, the the technical aspect of it, a materiality assessment typically involves uh, conducting one-on-one interviews, um, steering, um, not steering committee, but um, focus group meetings, and also questionnaires. So different uh, tools that are, you know, readily available to help collect people's views, thoughts, engage conversation, uh, get feedback, and then that's all filtered through and uh, analyzed and processed. And the end result, the outcome of that is, you know, of 20, 30, 40, 60 ESG issues, because yeah, they are that many, um, really a company's material issues should range somewhere, you know, um, in the range of five to 10 max, 
And so uh, who within the company does, does, will this sit? So I understand there's a sustainability committee and you want to involve everybody from the company, but who, who, you know, who does it sit with? Is it IR? Is it finance? If you don't have, obviously, if you're a smaller company and you don't have a sustainability department, who takes care of this? Great question. <laughs> Not a single answer. Uh, uh, different companies do it differently. So some companies, as you mentioned, have a specific CSR department, and I'll let, I'll let Charles David uh, describe um, how they function. Um, but in some cases, it sits in the communications department. In other cases, it might sit in risk or under the corporate secretary. Um, investor relations, uh, in some cases as well. And what is very interesting, though, is as especially um, in the capital markets, um, we're seeing investor focus increase uh, on ESG issues and investors using ESG issues in making their investment decisions. And we can maybe touch on that a little bit more later. Um, there is uh, the, the, the function of whoever's responsible for sustainability is rising in, in importance. And I think Shal David or TC Transcontinental is a great example of that, of it being elevated to the VP or even the C-suite uh, level and that's critical because that's when it connects to strategy and all and risk management and everything else. So. Well, exactly to your point. So what what we did in in 2018, so last fall, um, there was a new position that was created at TC, which is chief chief of strategy, um, and and it was decided at that time that sustainability would the oversight of the sustainability strategy would be under Magali Dufa, who's our new chief strategy officer, um, who I report into now. Um, it's been great because it's it's perfect as you were saying earlier to align our corporate strategy, which is kind of our, our main focus, and then, you know, sustainability becoming part of that main focus and, and those two strategies being aligned, it's made a huge difference into the way sustainability is seen at TC and CSR and how important it is in all discussions. And having that C-suite person at the table bringing those points really has made a difference into everybody's awareness about them. And even though, you know, we've been doing that for a while, it really brought it up to, to, the, next level, to the next level in the past year, for sure. And as a complement to that, I think it's uh, really a trend that we see uh, sustainability aligning with strategy and it does create value. But this also comes from the fact that at the board level, the fiduciary duty is, many, is, is really understood as uh, the importance of the investor, like creating value for them, but also other stakeholders. The companies now uh, and the board members realize that they have a duty to, of care for the employees and for the the suppliers, the, the global supply chain that companies are within in their whole value chain. So in that regard, the ESG elements um, also go all the way to the board. And this board duty or responsibility for sustainability is changing the way sustainability is being positioned in terms of the actual org chart of the organizations. So that's a great point. And um, um hopefully everybody's uh, caught recent changes to the Canada Business Corporations Act where the duty of loyalty uh, is to the corporation, not to shareholders. Uh, that, that was established uh, a while back, but now recent changes to the law are enshrining and then naming multiple stakeholders, including employees, including beneficiaries. So um, it's very, uh, very interesting. Well, you stole my next question, which was gonna be, uh, you know, how does the board, or what is the role of the board in this assessment? Critical. Agreed. Um, yeah, so, so at TC, what they do is that they, um, they really give oversight over the, the entire strategy. So um, we meet with them, I would say, biannually. 
um, on these subjects, and we um, we discuss about what is planned, what the strategy is, what what our priorities will be, and they just really kind of give oversight and their experience on these issues um, and to us um, for, for our strategy and building it. Yeah, and this is something that's particularly relevant um, for companies when we're focusing on the investor stakeholder more than other stakeholders because board of directors are the representatives of investors. And um, there's a direct relationship there and investors who are increasingly looking at uh, ESG issues and integrating those into their analysis and investment decision processes, one of the first things they look at is board oversight. That's critical to them. They want to know that it's coming from the top. They want to know that there's uh, conversations happening, issue identification and, uh, and management oversight uh, starting at the board level. And as a complement to the actual oversight and looking at the results from the materiality assessment, you are asking what's the role of board members during the materiality assessment. And I've actually participated in materiality or stakeholder consultation where we actually interviewed our own board members. What is their perspective? Uh, they often have a lot of experience in the sector or in other sectors that can provide very interesting insights into what are the material ESG issues for a company. And I think so now that we've talked about what it is and who takes care of it and, and how to go about it, one important question is what are the benefits of your company uh, having completed an assessment? Well, I think the first the first benefit I, I see in the company is really that it gives you a, a, a really solid framework afterwards to build on your targets, your KPIs, your initiatives, your projects. It somehow justifies the, 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 the choices of priorities that you guys have so that because um, if, if it's important for, for your stakeholders, it's important for your company and then we should work on it. So it, was, it, it helped out um, creating the strategy a lot and I think that was the biggest um, benefit for me and also to, to Andros' point earlier, it sparked interest in our stakeholders. So people were excited about it, they were excited to see the results of it. They were excited to talk about it, what was coming out, and everybody was really excited about it. And, and we've never heard as much talk about it ever since um, we've actually asked people what they cared about. So that was, that was really fun for us and, and sparked that, that interest. I think as a complement to that, uh, we have to, to really think because of SASB and some of the, uh, the, the disclosure that's being a little bit more organized, it provides now a way for companies to benchmark themselves uh, with their competitors, with the other companies in their sector, with companies in other sectors. So once you start thinking of your own material issue, you can compare what are the material issue of other companies. And I think that's also a benefit. It's also really helpful from a disclosure perspective, from the materiality assessment results, you can organize your own uh, disclosure of all ESG issue, whether it's a separate report on sustainability, or you start integrating the most material ESG issues in your financial reporting, um, building on what you learn in the materiality assessment is really useful to ensure you have the right metrics and you tackle the right issue, even from a qualitative uh, basis. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, come back on something we've said already, which is um, that not all ESG issues are material business issues for each company. And um, companies need to work with the resources they have available. They can't do everything. Um, so doing a materiality assessment is uh, a good way to use existing resources effectively because 
doing a materiality assessment and formalizing your sustainability practices and talking about it, reporting about it to your multiple stakeholders and increasingly to your investors creates value because it speaks to your risk profile, it speaks to your long-term prospects, your profitability, your longevity, um, it speaks to the quality of management, it speaks to reputational capital, and those all have a direct impact on the market value of the company. We were talking about building a sustainable business strategy. So what the materiality brings you are some of the insights you need in order to be able to um, make sure that you focus on the areas of risks and opportunities that are in front of you and that the efforts you put in sustainability are put in the areas that will have a financial impact on your business and will make it more sustainable for the long term. So my last question would probably be... And hang on, sorry, I would add something to that. Um, because with the growing trend in sustainability and even the growing trend in responsible investment, we're hearing these words like greenwashing or green wishing. And it seems, you know, companies are asked to talk about what they're doing. And when they talk about what they're doing, then they're being criticized for like, well, they're only talking about it, but they're not really doing it. So um, I think focusing on material issues, uh, you know, harnessing your available resources to, to, to manage the issues that matter the most to your business. So materiality is about what matters. Um, it helps companies to walk the talk so um, that they can back up all the things that they're saying that they're doing um, with uh, specific information, decision, useful information to investors actually about what they're doing to manage those issues. I go with my last question. Sure. <laughs> Shall that do? Do you have anything else? <laughs> so the last question would be, what advice would you give a company that has never done a materiality assessment in the past? How, how does one start? A very good start is to look at the SASB um, information that's available out there. They've looked at every sector and industries and they've identified what are the issues that are most likely to be material Four different sectors. So that will give you like a first start. What are the top five to six most material issues in your sector? I think that's a very good start. The other thing is to not necessarily create a whole new process for materiality, but look at how is your company already engaging with stakeholders. As a management team, um, there are already insights that you have about what are the environmental risks to your business? Some things are already in your risk matrix. So you can start by looking internally and identify what potentially are those most material issues. So you can start engaging with your stakeholders on a solid foot. You know, you already have a strong foundation for what you're going to engage uh, on and then be listening to whatever you missed. My first piece of advice would be start. And I would echo what Anne-Jose just said, because material ESG issues are material business issues, and a company that is in business and doing well is intuitively, at least intuitively, managing those issues. So these are not new issues for the company. What's new is the explicit uh, interest and focus that stakeholders, and whether it's employees, whether it's customers, whether it's creditors or investors, are, are What's new is this increasing focus that these stakeholders are putting on these issues and the need for more and better information about these issues. I'd add, um, and that's something you, you, you raised, and Jose, that, that you should approach it not only seeing it as a risk, but seeing it as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
um, an opportunity for value, obviously, but an opportunity also to engage with the people you work with, the, the, you know, your supply chain, your investors, and make sure everybody's kind of on the same boat together towards that goal. And I think the moment you switch from only seeing it as risk and reporting and something very technical, but you include it more into something bigger, um, I think that's where it makes a big difference and, and makes it also a lot more fun to do. So I like the start. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me today. It was great and I love the information. And again, everybody listening, just start. Thank you Thanks. for having us. Wait.